Welcome to episode five of a special five-part mini-series, 50 Years of Reflection, Insights from Past Annual Meeting Chairs, celebrating the 50th Annual Meeting and Scientific Symposium of the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists. In each episode, we will spend time with the past Clinical Content Committee Chairs to learn how the Academy's Annual Meeting and Scientific Symposium has evolved over the last half century. I'm Tyler Cagle, a soon-to-be graduating MPO student at UT Southwestern in Dallas, Texas, and today I'm excited to welcome Brian Caleb, BSECP Fellow. Brian is the director of Autobox Salt Lake City Research Hub, a member of the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists Board of Directors, and the current Clinical Content Committee Chair of the Academy's Annual Meeting and Scientific Symposium. Brian, it's great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much, Tyler. I'm glad to be here talking to you about the annual meeting. Really looking forward to the 2024 annual meeting in Chicago. Of course, that makes two of us. And Brian, in honor of the upcoming 50th anniversary of the Academy's annual meeting, I wanted to talk to you about your perspective on this flagship event over the years. When you served as co-chair of the Academy's Clinical Content Committee in 2020, and then as chair from 2021, and that's a total of five annual meetings. That's a lot of meetings. Tell me about it. I actually have a good track record. I don't believe I've missed an annual meeting since I joined the profession. And so I hope to keep that streak alive. Someone needs to give you a perfect attendance banner. <laughs> Do you recall your first Academy annual meeting and scientific symposium that you attended? Like where was it held? And you remember where you were in your career at that point? Uh, yeah, it was a pretty unforgettable. In fact, my first annual meeting was in Chicago in 2010. I was in school at Northwestern University Prosthetic and Orthotic Center, and we were given a few days off of class to really walk down the street from the building where courses were down to the Hyatt to attend the annual meeting. And that was, for me, the first time where I realized how big the ONP profession was and just how many opportunities there were for me as a clinician and, and as a researcher going forward. And do you remember what you thought of the event at that point in terms of the qualities of the sessions, the opportunities for networking and social events, just things of that nature? Sure, yeah. Up until that time, of course, my exposure to ONP was through shadowing and, and getting my clinical experience hours. And then, of course, focusing in school and trying to learn how to do bench alignment and, and learning from the books. But attending the annual meeting, the first meeting there in Chicago, I was just impressed with the quality of research and technology advancements that were presented there, as well as the welcoming reception and the really mentorship that I was able to access from others within the profession that I happened to meet there. It was really, of course, nice. Our instructors also attended the event and good friend now, Chris Robinson, actually took me under his wing and introduced me to some of the leaders in the profession and, and some of the experts at different manufacturers as he took me around the exhibit hall and introduced me to, to people that I would later come to rely on as experts when confronted with a troubling patient case. So from that point on, I knew that I had a really long and fruitful career ahead of me, knowing just how big OMP was, which wasn't something I fully grasped until attending my first annual meeting. I know it's always really difficult to 
gain a perspective of why people always enjoy coming back to the meetings and why the academy is such an important milestone for every year. It's that Chris Robinson story you were saying really resonated with me because when we first, me and my classmates showed up to the last academy meeting last year, it was a little overwhelming to see that, oh, we keep being told that this is such a small field and then you go in and boom, here's everyone in the country. Oh, by the way, you should probably know this person. You should probably get in touch with this person. It's just the networking aspect of it and just knowing that there are tons and tons of people at the academy meetings that want to help you, especially if you're just getting into the field and you're part of that OMP rising community. It's truly remarkable. It just, it feels like a welcoming, like embrace, like they're embracing us. Uh, Certainly, I hope everyone has the, the, a similar experience that, that you and I shared, which was just an open and welcoming reception by colleagues in, in the profession, which is really underlines why the academy is your professional home. And uh, Tyler, we're talking about attending the annual meeting, which happens every year, once a year. But those connections that you make at the meeting, they're accessible to you all year round. And so what you'll take away from attending the annual meeting is that professional home and that professional network that can support you all year round until you attend the next meeting. That's really reassuring to hear, Brian. And I know in 2020, when you served as the co-chair of the Academy's annual meeting, what was the annual meeting structure like in that year? Because we all know how normal and unproblematic the year 2020 was. Yeah. 2020 is the year that stands out. But of course, I have to remind you that our annual meeting in 2020, again, was in Chicago, but it was probably the very last in-person conference that happened before the pandemic. So it actually was a very classical, traditional setup and structure for the annual meeting that was pretty well practiced by the clinical content committee and staff and how to plan and, and deliver an annual meeting experience for our attendees. And I can say that acting as chair of the clinical content committee from that point forward, it, it was drastically different in the years to follow. So we went from 2020 in Chicago, which is a really amazing annual meeting, to having to totally re-innovate and plan a completely virtual annual meeting for 2021. And so... What I noticed, though, as content committee is some of the learnings that we had through that forced innovation have really impacted the annual meeting planning and what will be the structure that our attendees experience in 2024. There are a lot of bright spots that we carry forward from virtual and hybrid meetings that really benefit attendees as well as speakers and the overall experience for annual meeting in Chicago in 2024. And I know with the addition of some of these new technologies that are bursting out, I know the Academy is really good about adapting to the changing times, and it really speaks volumes to the adaptability as a program. I know, especially with having town halls or more like a seminar where you can ask questions online or over the app whenever you see a lecture, I think just trying to take all in these new technologies is what's really gone to the benefit of the academy moving forward. Absolutely. I think that now it's much more accessible for audience members to participate and really contribute 
in a session as, uh, as opposed to being just a passive observer. One of the things that's really improved engagement is the Q&A panel through the Academy Meeting app. So attendees sitting in the room there, they have just a more comfortable and accessible way to get their questions posed to the presenters by posting them in the app and having them upvoted by fellow attendees. Because Tyler, I remember from my first annual meeting, if you wanted a question asked, you had to approach the mic at the front of the room in the middle of the aisle there. And what a nerve wracking experience that was. I believe I did pose a question that first meeting, but I didn't survive very well. I was knocked neat and sweaty and stuttering the whole time. I'm not even sure that my question came out. Luckily, the colleagues that were presenting were so graceful in restating the question more eloquently than I proposed it and and answering it fully. But now what we've learned is attendees are much more comfortable navigating and, and posing their questions through that portal. And it really does enhance the the overall experience as well as what we take away from the sessions. You mentioned, Tyler, some of the more interactive formats like town halls, but just in general, utilizing polls and learning interruptions, uh, like posing questions to the audience, really to gauge where they're at with the content, as well as some of their clinical experience and really crowdsourcing some topics. That's now possible at annual meetings. And I really think that the shift to completely virtual and then back now to in-person, those are some of the bright spots that we carry forward. And sticking with this topic of evolving over the years, how have you seen the actual content that's presented at these meetings evolve over the years? That's a great question, Tyler. Especially in the last few years, the content that's presented, especially in organized sessions, is much more responsive to the learning needs of the profession. In fact, we've actually opened up the process of planning those organized sessions, and we have a portal for attendees to submit organized session suggestions that then the clinical content committee, we lead in curating and and finding expert presenters. So compared to in the past, we have much higher confidence that the attendees that come will really believe having met their curiosities and the most exciting contemporary topics uh, that I know in PDR addressed. And that's a really big change and a big shift from from the past and, and one that we've only seen really great response from. Another example would be the session format for the Tranhart lecture series. In years past, it was a really academic, rote type of format where you have your 15 minutes to present and a few questions afterwards. And then we changed that up. We wanted to have more of a laid back personal experience, almost like a hosted talk show type of experience or like a a TED talk type of experience. And that's been a a real enjoyable event for actually presenters as well, because they have a chance not just to present their award-winning research, but then to have more interactive discussions with the other trend art winner and the moderator. And we've gotten a lot of really good feedback from attendees on that format change. And it just makes it even more exciting of an event to come out and and watch the Train Heart Lectures. I have a surprise story for you. One of the most memorable things for me in planning the annual meeting, which by the way, it's actually a real joy because 
the clinical content committee and the academy staff that focus on planning the meeting, which really happens all year round. We plan for this annual meeting starting the very day after the previous annual meeting ends. We start thinking about and planning and brainstorming for the next year. So I really enjoy all those committee calls. But the one that stands out in preparing for an annual meeting for me was we rented a TV studio and we recorded a session for the 2021 annual meeting, the virtual meeting, and in front of a green screen with professional TV cameras and everything. And I don't know why, but the staff chose my organized session for that to be reported live. And due to travel restrictions and difficulty getting other speakers there, Tyler, it was decided that I would actually solo present the entire 90-minute session. So I had to not only expand my content to fill that time, but I was later informed that for the 90 minutes of content, we had about 90 minutes of studio time. <laughs> so that meant I had zero redo opportunities. I had to, in a full suit in front of a very bright light, a teleprompter, and two TV cameras stand there and give my talk that I had rehearsed a few times. And I got such an appreciation for newscasters and anyone who performs in front of a, a TV camera. It was so awkward. There was no feedback from the audience at all. There was no pauses. There was no Q&A. It was just one hour of just miserable. Is anyone listening out there? Did I stutter? How am I sounding? And I'm lucky. I think that someone captured a candid picture. I'm just like goofing around afterwards because that was one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. I never wish to do ever again, which is to have anything recorded like that again. I think we probably all remember that type of experience of recording yourself presenting in front of your laptop, right? For these virtual meetings. But this one was like that turned up to 11. That's why I like these podcasts. No one can see how red my face is whenever I stumble upon words. <laughs> no, That's right. And our nonverbal utterances, our stutters are going to be edited out. That TV studio, it didn't hide any blemishes, Tyler. I know for me personally, the Academy represents, like we were saying earlier, this home that we come to. And the camaraderie's always been there. It, that's something that's never gone away for sure. But I think with the Academy in particular, it's a place where you as the clinician, regardless of your experience or the amount of years that you've been in the field, there's always something you can do. There's always something you can learn. There's always collaboration there with how you can improve your craft. And there are always several opportunities to interact with these people in certain specialties because while we are a small field, there is so much information that I feel like everyone has to offer, especially as a young clinician who's just getting out into the field. And I just wanted to know, that's what it means for me. What does the Academy as an organization mean to you? Yeah, first of all, Tyler, I'm really, I'm really glad you said that. And it's something we strive for, the Clinical Content Committee and the Academy staff, to make sure that there are 
really learning takeaways that clinicians at any experience level can receive at the annual meeting. It's one thing that we think about and talk about in planning any session. So that's great to hear. Uh, what does the academy mean to me in attending both the annual meeting as well as being an active professional member? I can tell you that it's had such a positive impact on my career trajectory and opportunities. I've met so many people who I've had the chance to collaborate with on, on writing manuscripts or even challenging each other on clinical techniques and you do it your way, I've done it my way, let me try your way on my next patient and, and learn from your experiences as well as research collaboration opportunities. Really a lot of those have come through meeting at the biggest professional summit, which is the annual meeting where like-minded clinicians and researchers are also traveling to, to share their results. So for me, the, it's had such a, a, an impact in, in really exposing me to clinical techniques and technologies as, and research results that I never otherwise would have been exposed to. And I can tell you that's really had a positive impact on the patient care I've been able to provide, as well as the research projects that I've chosen to pursue. And in the same way that the Academy gives us all as clinicians an opportunity to improve on ourselves, better ourselves, and look toward the future, how do you, in the position that you're in, envision the Academy meetings going for the next 50 years? Not only just the Academy meetings, but also the Academy as an organization. 50 years. <laughs> My first response is I hope I'm thinking about or moving towards retirement or uh, before that time and looking forward to that. But 50 years into the future, I see just a strong potential for the LNP profession and in the same breath, a place for the academy to support the growth of the LNP profession. When I imagine 50 years time, I imagine just rapid changes to the materials that we use the techniques that are developed for us to treat our patients, as well as the, the technologies and neural integration and electromotor control active devices. I imagine that in 50 years, ONP interventions and the skills that we utilize as ONP professionals are going to be drastically different. But I also see that in an annual meeting in an academy, as the best place to share those best practices as they advance. So I think along every step along that path from now to 50 years from now, I really see the academy as providing that interaction and that network that supports those advancements. So that would be exciting to flash forward 50 years from now and to see how far the ONP profession has come and, and how much of an impact uh, we've been able to achieve on the mobility and independence and quality of life of the patients that we treat. Of course. I, I, I think in 50 years, we'll still be a couple of young whippersnappers. I'm looking forward to it. Well, we'll be old curmungeons. I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait for the day when I'd say, back when I was young, we used to use scanners and CAD to design our socket shapes. And we had to use this thing called a four millimeter wrench to change the alignment. Now you have these whiz bang, can't imagine what, shards with lasers, something. I still had to use plaster you youngins don't know about. <laughs>
And I'm sure we have a lot more to look forward to in the next 50 years to come. And I'm super excited to see what those years have in store. Thanks again for joining us, Brian. And thanks to all of you for listening to the last episode of a special five-part mini-series, 50 Years of Reflection, Insights from Past Annual Meeting Chairs, celebrating the evolution of the Academy's annual meeting and scientific symposium over the last half century. Listen to the complete mini-series to catch discussions with past Clinical Content Committee chairs and learn how the Academy's annual meeting and scientific symposium has evolved over the past 50 years. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to check out the Academy's other podcasts for OMP professionals. The award-winning OMP Research Insights with Dr. Steve Gard, the award-winning ONP Rising podcast created for emerging professionals in our field, and ONP Clinical Care Insiders featuring key voices in the OMP community discussing their areas of clinical care and sharing personal experiences as professionals in that specialty. For more information on the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists, visit us online at onp.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.